It is the 200 level episode 176, Barn Scorman. Why is it called that? A few reasons. I was trying to think of a clever title for today or a pun title, and I came across this one because one, you are playing in the barn, Williams Arena, on Saturday in what is a big game for this team, one I feel pretty good about for what little that's worth. Two, it is a Little Feet live album. Little Feet, one of the most criminally underrated rock bands in American history. And then you only have one more home game. So technically, this team is going to be barnstorming across the Big Ten, up to five games on the road, if they happen to reschedule the Michigan game. So that's why this one's called Barnstorming. It is a Thursday evening as I record this. So you got Friday, you got Saturday morning before the Minnesota game, before we're back for a live pod. And... I mentioned how I feel good about this Minnesota game. After watching them last night against Indiana, I feel even better, regardless of the fact that they are a very different team at home than they are on the road. They're missing Gabe Klauscher, who is someone that last year especially had a good performance against Illinois. This year, I think he was pretty quiet in that first game. And I just get the feeling that Richard Pitino's team is doing what Richard Pitino's teams often do, which is fade and look rather unimpressive. And meanwhile, Illinois is coming off of two lackluster performances themselves. In a weird way, and maybe it shouldn't be, I find it reassuring. I find this to be perhaps the wake-up game where Illinois plays kind of like they did against Wisconsin a couple Saturdays ago. Crazy to think that it was a couple Saturdays ago, wasn't it? If I think back to the schedule here. Currently, Illinois is sitting seventh in the... Ken Palm rankings. They actually went down a couple spots. Ohio State and Houston leapfrogged them. But as I look at this remaining schedule with Minnesota, Michigan State, Nebraska at home, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and then presumably Michigan on the road, you should, I'm going to stick by this, only lose one more game, maybe two if the Michigan game is in there. Because I think when I initially said that, the Michigan game was postponed, and we didn't know if it was going to be made up or not. So, okay, let's let's recalibrate here. If you happen to play all the games on the docket and you add the Michigan game, I think two losses may be more likely than not, which means you get to 15-5 and five in conference. That is what Ken Palm has you projected at, at least 13-5. and five. I'm going to go 15-5. and five. That's great. That's going to keep you on the two line and keep you as potentially the top two seed to leapfrog Ohio State and Michigan. The two games where I think you're going to lose, if I had to pick two losses and all of that, and you beat those teams, all of a sudden we're talking one seed and maybe Big Ten title. But to start today's show, I really wanted to talk about this Big Ten title I've been harping on and all the way back to November and been kind of roller coaster riding this entire Big Ten wave. And it's not all that realistic. Now, I say this before the Michigan-Rutgers game. For all I know, by the time you listen to this, Rutgers will have sprung the upset on the road. They're nine-point underdogs at Michigan. That would change things. But Sunday was a bit of a wake-up call in that, yes, Michigan's really good. And I know Wisconsin's not nearly as good as they usually are. So they had something to do with the second half where they looked terrible. Michigan looked good. But Michigan's looked really good all year. And they've been remarkably consistent. And that's one thing that Illinois is not. It's why Illinois is dangerous, perhaps the most dangerous Big Ten team when it comes to the tournament, because you have the best one-two punch in the conference. But it also makes them the most susceptible to an upset as a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. So changing the mindset here, that's what I'm doing, changing it from Big Ten title or bust to accruing memories. And what I mean by that is all of my favorite Illini teams have a season full of memories that I can recall vividly. I'll give you one such example this year, and I know it wasn't the prettiest game, but the Indiana game. 
overtime, two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes, actually. And that podcast went late into the night after my first COVID shot, and I was kind of feeling a little bit off, and it was a weird podcast. If you want to go back for just odd listening and frustration and confusion, that's what that was. It was the stupidest game ever played, at least the first of two stupidest games ever played. But I'm going to remember that forever. It was that kind of game. And then there were prettier moments uh, throughout this year. We'll get to that in a bit because I, I'm going to speak to how teams' legacies are built on moments more so than any particular banner. The biggest case in point would be the 89 team. They didn't win a Big Ten title. That was one of those little footnotes that I heard about so much as a kid. Yeah, did you know the 89 team? They didn't even win the Big Ten. Indiana did. The team that you beat, I think, a week before the end of the season with the buzzer beater on the road. And actually, you beat them twice. But no, they won the Big Ten title because you had that swoon after Kendall Gill got hurt. So it is all about memories and moments throughout the year. And it's also about the NCAA tournament. What does this team need to do for us to feel like this was a memorable season? They need to get to the second weekend. And if you're a two seed, you're in a great position to do that. If you're a one seed, you're in an even better position to do that. And I think they can when you start looking at the teams that might be a seven seed in the NCAA tournament, assuming that you don't play down to your competition too much in the 215 game, the sevens and the 10 seeds are not ones that strike fear in you. And this should be a team that when the lights are brightest, I think will step up. Now against Nebraska and against Northwestern, the lights weren't quite as bright. And you saw these moments of, huh? These moments of lethargic play and, and just mediocre performances from a team that you would hope would not be having that in mid-February. And you heard the frustration right here on the podcast. But ultimately, when push comes to shove, and when you remove yourself from the immediacy of watching those games, right? When I woke up the day after the Northwestern game, I felt completely different about it. There were some concerning moments, but you got the win. Who cares? So we got a lot to cover today. We're going to start with Io because, well, he's having the best season in Illinois history. I don't think that's hyperbole to say that at this point. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about how this team stacks up to previous great Illini teams in terms of those memories, in terms of those moments. We're going to talk about this inconsistency that is plaguing this team and how I don't think it's necessarily playing down to the competition in terms of 40-minute performances, but rather it is five minutes here, four minutes there. And then other than that, the team more often than not digs themselves out of that hole. So plenty to get to today on this 176th episode of the 200 level. But before we get too far, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Now, the weather is still cold. It is going to warm up next week, but it's not going to be hot. It's not going to be nice outside. So let them bring a calzone to your doorstep, piping hot. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Please tip the driver well, especially in these road conditions, and save yourself some money by using coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdo.com. Custom zones, any topping you want. Some of their favorites, my favorite was the Maui Wowie. It's kind of like a Hawaiian pizza, of course, in calzone form. Go to dpdo.com, use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, now that we are a day removed from the launch of their 217 t shirt. For those of my generation, especially, that remember when Ludacris came to the assembly hall. He wore a blue Illinois jersey. This was in the peak D. Brown, Darren Williams era. And the jersey had 217 on it. Iconic photo for someone my age. And for many others, I could tell on Twitter that have probably already bought this shirt because it is one of the best in a collection that has a ton of great shirts anyways. So go to fourthandkirby.com. There's a couple things you can do. You can buy two t-shirts and get one free. 
They got that deal all year round. You can use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. So get that 217 shirt now and then be ready to use that code again in March because March 3rd is the launch of a t-shirt that will quickly become my favorite Alani apparel that I have. And I got a lot of them. This thing's so super cool. We're going to have a guest on the show to talk about it. That is fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Got to thank Rector Construction. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. Give them a call at 217-281-7000, 281-7000. Actually, come to think of it, you need that area code 217. They're adding a new one, 447 or something like that. Rector Construction, they do everything from new roofs to crawl space inspections and everything in between. So whatever home project you need, go online to rectorconstruction.com, get a free estimate. And these guys are the goods. They serve the community well. They've been around for a while. They're great at what they do. And hey, if you're in the East Central Illinois area, you can count on Rector Construction, whatever the project. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Great domain name. And appropriate, because he is my guy. He's our guy, Kara and I, as we move to our new house, got homeowners and auto, great state farm prices, as expected. But more than that, it was the personalized service. It made the entire process super easy and seamless. We didn't really have to worry about a thing, right? Brian took care of it along with the staff. So go to brianismyguy.com, life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com for a state farm agent, Brian Hansen. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, got to thank them as well for their partnership with the 200 level. And I got to thank you, and by you, I mean you all, for the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've got a couple new ones here. This was from Saturday from Alani Fanatic Forever. Kind of did the whole Prince song title thing. They did the number four, uh, Forever. Raw Emotion. Love syncing the podcast to my TV to rewatch the second halves in overtime. Great job by Mike, Trevor, and Isaac. Thank you, Alani Fanatic. And then we also have Alani Kara, not my Kara, a different Kara, I think at least, saying, love it. It's so fun listening to the second half podcast. Uh, Mike does a great job covering the Alana, and his wife is named Kara, so she has to be, uh, so he has to be awesome. I'm a Kara who is married to a Mike. How about that? Well, thank you, Kara, for that. And okay, that, that proves it. She's not my Kara. She's another Kara who happens to be married to another Mike. But we appreciate that. The ratings and reviews help us show up when someone searches for Alana on Apple Podcast. Spotify, I don't think has a rating or review feature, but wherever you listen to us, we just appreciate that you have made us part of your podcast rotation. All right, let's talk about IO, which we do seemingly every podcast, but it's one of those things that bears repeating, and I don't think that we are beating a dead horse speaking about IO. Now, let's start with the frustration that I had during the first 35 minutes of that Northwestern game, and I don't think I was alone. I think most of the fans watching that game were thinking, IO, where are you? We need you. Northwestern closed the gap to three points. They were outplaying us for basically the entire second half until Io saved the day. So that's the good news. He saved the day again in his typical superhero fashion. Incredible. I mean, the 30-foot three-pointer is going to be up there with coolest Io moments because it's like he just said, eh, screw it, I'll just shoot from here and I'll make it. And he did because that's what he does in late-game situations. You can add that to a highlight reel dating back to really his freshman year where when it comes down to it, he's going to take the final shot or the most meaningful shot, and more often than not, he's going to make it. And if it's not the most meaningful shot, he's also someone that's made a lot of assists in clutch time that have led to crucial baskets for other people. So Io always has his fingerprints on the end of a game. But the first 35 minutes, not good. Stuck at three points for a while. 
He did have five assists, I think, in the first 30 minutes of the game, but he was more passive than I would have hoped when the game was tightening up throughout that second half. It wasn't a fluky run by Northwestern. They had a 9 nothing run. They had a 12-2 run. Two big runs in the second half that made that game far too close. And I genuinely questioned if we were going to win that game, kind of like the Nebraska one. It's easy to say in hindsight, oh, come on, what were you worried about? Trevor was not worried. He is a little bit of a cooler head than I am. I know me and Isaac were freaking out a bit. And we were criticizing Io. But here's the thing. When you criticize greatness, right? Michael Jordan, for as great as he was, I guarantee that back during that sixth championship run, there were games where there were Bulls fans watching and thinking, what are you doing, MJ? But that doesn't mean they don't love MJ and they don't appreciate what he's doing. So for clarification, when we criticize Io, it, I say this, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it is coming from a place of love and admiration in terms of, you know, athletics are concerned. He's the best college basketball player I've seen here. It's remarkable what he's doing, but he's not perfect. And when he's not perfect and we're doing a live pod, we'll, we'll react accordingly. But to frame what he's doing and to also clarify why criticism should not equate to Oh man, Carp, you need to get off Io. He's great. Listen, the first 35 minutes against Northwestern were his worst 35 minutes, I think, all year. Now, maybe there were things that he was doing kind of off the radar. Maybe the defense was spectacular against Northwestern, and I just wasn't paying attention. He did have the five assists, like I said. The bailing the team out thing that he does when he dons the Superman cape and gets you out of a pickle, which he does at a very high frequency, that's going to work until it doesn't work. And this is not so much about Io, but about the team and where they're going and how they can create a legacy for themselves, something that we're going to look back on this year more than just, hey, remember when they were ranked number five? Oh, but then they lost in the second round in the NCAA tournament. And that's my greatest fear with this team is that by the end of it, we're looking back and we got a few cool moments, but it peters out. And we see these little indicators these four or five minute stretches where they don't look good or even entire halves on occasion where they just are kind of out of it. Now it's February 18th. They still got another month before the NCAA tournament. Perhaps they figure it out. And I understand that a season is a process and there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be a few weeks where they look great. As we saw the last two weeks before the Nebraska Northwestern game, they looked fantastic. So perhaps this is a blip. And fortunately the opponents you played meant that you could still get the wins. But that is a concern that I have with this team. That is a concern where we continue to put ourselves in these positions where Io has to do that in the first place. And I look at Io, and, and when we criticize during the second half podcast, it always is easier after a win, and that's why today it's orange-colored glasses again. But I compare it to this. Led Zeppelin's my favorite band, okay? So to do the music sports thing. And I think Led Zeppelin's the greatest hard rock band of all time, bar none. Beatles are probably the best rock band in terms of their songwriting, but Led Zeppelin is the best hard rock band in terms of performance, songwriting, all of that. They stack up with anybody, and I think they beat anybody at that. But even they had some stinkers, right? Even greatness to the level of Led Zeppelin puts out a closer on an album like Hats Off to Roy Harper. And you listen, I still can't really make it through that entire song. It's terrible. Or they put out a ballad like All My Love, which I, I can't really get through that either. But it's still Zeppelin, right? And I can look at those little things and say, that was not their greatest moment. And I can look at what Io did for 35 minutes and say, that was not Io's greatest moment. 
but that does not at all diminish the impact and the importance of this guy who, when he leaves here, I will say individually, his legacy is secure, right? This team, that's still being written, and so is Io's, but it could stop today for, (laughs) I don't know what the situation would be, a total resurgence of COVID-19 where all of a sudden we just shut the season down. But it could end today for Io, and he never plays another game, and he has his jersey in the rafters. He's doing that kind of thing individually on the court. I just hope that at the end of this season, the team's legacy can match the individual legacy of Io. And I know that they kind of go hand in hand, and he's going to have something to say about that. But that is what I'm really looking forward to the most in the next month, hopefully beyond a month, hopefully a month and a half into early April. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you're playing in early April, trust me, that's going to be a season that we will never forget. Back to the great teams and mediocre performances. I addressed this after the Nebraska game, trying to maybe make myself feel better, you know. How do you go to overtime against that Nebraska team? Which, you know, they had their moments. They won at Penn State right after that Illinois game. That's not an easy place to win. And then they looked pretty good in game one of a doubleheader against Maryland before they lost by 12. And then they just ran out of steam yesterday. I think lost by 15 or something like that. They aren't good. But I was trying to contextualize it and say, well, okay, great teams, meh to bad performances. And I mentioned in 2005, when D. Brown kind of saved your butt against Michigan, a bad Michigan team, and you only won by six. Number ranked team in the nation and one of the best Illini teams we will ever see. And yeah, they even had their occasional stumble. Of course, there was a game at Ohio State. Now, that was a borderline top 25 Ohio State team that was on probation. They would have made the NCAA tournament, especially after that win. It's kind of difficult to put that in the same stratosphere as at Nebraska, overtime, no fans, right? It is apples and oranges. But I got to thinking about, okay, what about other great Illini teams? Flying Illini, for example, they beat Northwestern on the road by five. Now, I don't remember that game. I was two, so clearly I don't remember it. My parents didn't tape it, as opposed to about five other games that year. And I bet if I asked a lot of Illini fans from that era, hey, do you remember the game at Northwestern in 1989? They wouldn't. I mean, why would you? It was unmemorable. You won by five. You just kind of moved on. You got the win. And that didn't diminish anything that that team did. And whatever inconsistency they had, especially when Kendall Gill went out, they figured it out enough to get to the final four and secure their legacy, right? Uh, The other thing I saw from 89 that, you know, in trying to compare this season to previous seasons where great teams stumbled. That final line I team had a loss at Minnesota. That was after the Georgia Tech win and Kendall Gill was hurt. So I can maybe excuse that because, you know, maybe they were just a little bit out of sorts. And then they had a very close win at home against that Minnesota team. So they split the season series. That Minnesota team was an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament, which is to say they weren't great, but they split the season series with you and you had your issues with them. So even the team like the final line I can be meh. 2001, though, this was an interesting case. I went back to that because that is right up there with 05 as my favorite Illini team. Despite not making a Final Four, that 2001 team was tough. And you know what? I found that they didn't really have any bad losses. Over time at Penn State, I remember watching that down at our neighbor Doug's house and being really pissed off. You know, at that age, I would have been, gosh, in 01, I was a seventh or eighth, I was an eighth grader. And that's a prime age for really getting into sports and being way too emotional about it, which I'm still trying to figure that thing out, the emotional part of sports. 
But at the time, we didn't know that Penn State was going to make a Sweet 16 with the Crispin brothers. And I think the center for them was Jesse Klein Hurd. Pretty decent team. Jerry Dunn, I think, was their coach. They sprung an upset that night, and it felt like, oh my God, how did we lose that game? Maybe we cost ourselves the Big Ten title. You didn't. You finished 13-3. and three. You shared the title with Michigan State. Um, but other than that, the 2001 team, and trying to find off nights, they didn't have them. They really didn't. They had a lot more 15 to 20 point wins than I recall. They had a bear of a non-conference schedule. I mean, that, that is one of the most well-earned one seeds that you could get. When you beat Maryland and Maui, you beat Arizona at the United Center, you beat a top 10 seed and Hall team, at least at the time, at home and overtime. They didn't really have off nights. If they lost, God, I'd have to go back to it and see what the three Big Ten losses were that year. Uh, and as I do that real quick, 2001, fighting Illini... Their three conference losses, Penn State overtime at Iowa. They lost by 16, but that wasn't a bad Iowa team. I think that was the Pierre Pierce era, Steve Alford. And then you smoke them later that year. That was when Frank had his, his moment against Iowa. So your losses were at Iowa, at Penn State, and at Ohio State, which back then was the Michael Red and Scooney Penn, even though they were unranked and you lost by two. So maybe that was an off performance. You guys might remember better than I do. All this to say, you know, we can go into previous great seasons and try to nitpick the moments like we're having right now. You know, we're in the moment. We're nitpicking the win at home against Northwestern. We're nitpicking the overtime loss in Nebraska. But ultimately, we may just as quickly forget them. And the best way to do that is for this team to continue to rattle off big moments. They have opportunities here. I would even include Saturday's game at Minnesota as one. I think that it's the kind of game where you are primed to play like you did against Wisconsin and beat Minnesota handily. Glabe Klauscher being out. Glabe. <laughs> Gabe Klauscher being out. I think that does have an impact. He's a good defender too. I think that you match up well with him because you got Kofi to negate what they have with Robbins down low. Robbins did have foul trouble in the first game. And Marcus Carr, as good as he is, Trent did a fantastic job in game one. I think you just match up well against them. And really, historically, at Williams Arena, Illinois does very well. It seems like we win more often than not up there. I don't have the record, but that's not a place that strikes fear in my heart, despite what they've done so far at home this year. But I think that Saturday could be another one of those moments where on the cusp of these two forgettable wins, but wins nonetheless, that you put everything together again and remind people ahead of next week's AP poll. We'll see if anyone in the top four loses, but that you remind people why you're the fifth-ranked team in the nation. I get the feeling that's what Saturday's going to be. Now, you know gut feelings are only as good as... Well, they aren't, they aren't any good at all, to be honest. They don't mean a thing, but that's just what my gut is telling me about Saturday. And then in terms of going forward, you know, at Michigan State's not good, but winning at the Breslin Center and doing so in an efficient way, that's memorable. But it's really going to come down to that final week. And we do not know when the Michigan game is. I kept saying that perhaps it would be on Thursday, March 4th. And it will not be that because Michigan has a game that Thursday. Perhaps it's going to be the Thursday before. I think that's February 25th. Is that right? Yeah, it's the 18th today. So I think it could potentially be Thursday, February 25th, two days before you go to Wisconsin. But if you reschedule that game, that means three of your final four games of the year are going to be at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Ohio State. They don't need to win all of them. I don't plan on them winning all of them. This team still has too many hiccups to 
just say, yeah, they're going to go on the road and sweep those teams. But I think they can win too. I do. I don't know what that combination looks like. I would assume Wisconsin is one of them because I think you're just a good matchup against them as we've seen the last two times you played them and then somehow split against Ohio State and Michigan. Tough to do, but doable. And how good that would feel. We would stack that up with the other moments we've had so far this year. So what are the moments that we have? You know, as we try to think about the legacy of this team and what we'll look back on, I'm still going to put at Duke in there. They've won two games in a row fairly handily. I think they'll probably play themselves back in the tournament because as long as Duke doesn't have an abysmal record, they're going to try to find them an 11 seed somewhere, right? So you know what? You want a Cameron Indoor in this COVID-impacted year. We all had fun watching it. Don't, Don't let Duke's disappointing year diminish your enjoyment of that. I'm keeping that memory just like I did back in 95, Lou Henson's final year. Duke didn't end up being very good that year, but you won at Cameron Indoor. I remember that. It was fun. Hold on to that. That's a moment. At Northwestern's second half, I'll hold on to that. I will never see another half like that. I will even borderline put in the Penn State game at Penn State, where you were down 19-4, to and then you just kicked their butt the rest of the game. That was memorable right before Christmas. Iowa. Much needed on so many levels. Sustain the Big Ten title race to solidify the fact that you are still a potentially elite team. To beat Iowa in what was a great 40 minutes of basketball on both sides. It was so much fun. That is a moment we'll remember. Like most Iowa wins, to be honest. At Indiana overtime, I mentioned that before. That's a moment. Iowa's out for the last seven minutes of the game. Your potential national player of the year is out. If they still did season recap DVDs, that would be the voiceover. Io DeSumo fouled out with three minutes to go in regulation, and Illinois was facing a disappointing loss in Bloomington, Indiana. I don't know. I, I'm not a good voiceover guy, but let's just say that would be the narrative, and you won that game without him and Georgie. You know, you, you basically had five guys left, kind of like in Hoosiers. I guess in Hoosiers, he had a four-man lineup by his choice, but you weren't turning to anybody else. If that went a second overtime, it would have been the same five guys on the court. You gutted out a win. That's memorable. For as ugly and stupid as that game was, I'm not going to forget it. And then I'm certainly not going to forget the Wisconsin game. That was a thing of beauty, as we call that podcast. It was one of the best 40 minutes of basketball I've seen any Illinois team play, dating back to 05. So what are those extra moments and memories going to be? There's going to be more, right? I hope there's quite a few more. I hope there's like five more. And you could get that if you make a run in the Big Ten tournament and you make a run in the NCAA tournament. So many opportunities here to beat good teams. And I'm nervous. I don't want to lose another three or four games this year. It could happen, given the schedule. They might lose close games at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Ohio State. That could happen. But I also get the feeling that those teams look at Illinois and say, crap, I know Wisconsin certainly is. They aren't looking forward to playing us again. Why would they? We schooled them. They're slow. If they're making threes, certainly they can win. But does that scare you either? I think if any, if any team's scared for that game, it would be Wisconsin fans and not Illinois fans, and nor should we be. So there will be more moments. I hope there's a lot of them. And I hope that they are not counteracted by disappointments. Losing at Minnesota on Saturday, it would be something you could explain. It wouldn't kill this team. It wouldn't kill their resume by any stretch. But it would be disappointing. I don't want to lose to freaking Richard Patino. Richard Patino's Golden Gophers that are doing their usual swoon. At least it looks like it. They do have some talent, but I don't want to lose to that guy. Plain and simple. I don't want to lose at Michigan State in the one year where they're awful. 
I don't want that to be, hey, Michigan State's not dead yet. They sprung an upset against Illinois. I don't want that. I know my wife, well, actually, my wife hasn't really been following this year, so even she doesn't care. She's a Michigan State alum, and she would be just as happy if Illinois won that particular game. She doesn't care. So we don't need to worry about any internal strife at the Carpenter household. And yeah, it'd be disappointing to, well, I throw this out there because of how close it was in Lincoln. It'd be pretty disappointing to lose at home against Nebraska. That's maybe the understatement of the year. And it would be disappointing to me to lose at Wisconsin. All those things could happen, right? And after the last two games, I think that we are maybe a little more skittish based on the inconsistency that we saw with this team against lesser opponents. But I do think that we will find out this team just responds to bigger games and better opponents. And if you look at the last two years, they they tend to do that. I looked to last year and the runs that they had at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Purdue, that crazy run of road wins, those were all decent to good teams. And then they came home and they played Northwestern and that game I think was a five-point win. It was close. I remember watching that game. We were in Chicago and this pizza joint and I'm pacing around the table thinking, please don't lose to Northwestern because that might have been on the heels, I think, of the Wisconsin win. You barely beat them. Rutgers, that was a good Rutgers team, but you had to sweat at home to beat them. You beat Indiana last year by one point at home. And that Indiana team was just like every other Archie Miller Indiana team, mediocre. So this team has a track record of playing to their competition. Now, how can they overcome that, right? That's my biggest concern is this playing to competition. It's the double-edged sword, as Harry Black and I would often confusingly say. What does a double-edged sword even mean? The good news with playing to your competition is, as the season goes on, your competition is only going to get better. It would be difficult for me to imagine this team playing, let's say, a one-seed Baylor in the tournament and just putting a half-assed effort out there. I can't picture that. I can picture a sleepwalking first half against a 15 seed in the first round. Now, hopefully you can overcome that based on the competition, right? And the fact that, you know, you could put a C-plus game and still get that win. But I'm afraid that the team thinks that same way. As a fan, it's okay. Listen, we can go into the Minnesota game. I can go into it thinking, I think we're going to win comfortably. The team can't. And I don't know what the mental thing is going on there. I know Trevor's spoken to it, this idea of the Golden State Warriors complex. Or in a way, the Northwestern second half and falling down 19 to 4 against Purdue, or sorry, Penn State, and that Purdue had a 19 nothing run. And all of those instances, it didn't matter. You won and you won handily. So, what does that teach a team? With some young guys on it, it teaches them that you can flip a switch when that's just simply not always going to be the case. And the same thing against Northwestern. It took a 30 foot IO three pointer to finally allow me to take a breath. That's why we didn't emote with joy or triumph. We were relieved. We didn't want to lose that stupid game. It was, by that point, just win and let's forget about it. And that's what happened. So playing to your competition, there's good and bad to that. I do think that if they can just get one win in the tournament, I think that will get them rolling. And that's why the two seed is super important because you were playing an inferior opponent in that first game. I think they can get rolling from there. Now, the schedule, as we look forward, I mentioned that earlier. There's one other component that I'm interested to watch as we get into the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, all of which will be in Indy. So that's going to be the home for this Illinois basketball team, hopefully for a month, from mid-March until the first weekend of April. Five road games in your last six is not ideal. It isn't. 
but it might actually be beneficial in getting this team prepped and ready for neutral site games. Now, you could say, Carp, every game this year has been a neutral site game. But there's something different about being able to sleep in your own bed, I would assume. I've never done it myself in terms of a D1 athlete, but got to think there's something different about sleeping in your own bed and going to your practice facility and your locker room and doing your routine for a home game, even if there's no fans there. That's got to be different than playing in a road venue, unfamiliar place, or playing in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And this could work out beautifully. This could be one of those things where the end of the season, tough as it is, tough as it will be in this Big Ten stretch, all these road games will get them ready for the grind that's going to be the Big Ten and NCAA tournaments. You aren't going to be home. You got one more home game. One. It's February 18th, and that's going to be Nebraska. Even in a regular season where fans would be in the stands, this would be, wow, we kind of got screwed with that schedule. You didn't. You actually got a very nice schedule from the Big Ten. Uh, but this, this final stretch, five road games, I don't hate it. I don't hate it for this team, too, because for whatever reason, Nebraska game aside, they seem to play with a little bit more vigor on the road sometimes. I don't know why that is. Maybe they finally figured out with Iowa and Wisconsin how to play well at home consistently, put 40 minutes out there. But it does seem like this team dating back to last season, more of their moments came on the road. So we shall see if that continues as they go through this stretch. But I will stick by, I say stick by my prediction, uh, before the Michigan game was rescheduled, I said one more loss. Now that the Michigan game will likely be rescheduled whenever that is, I'm going to say two. That puts you 15-5, and five, solidly on the two line. You would not win a Big Ten title with that. Are you okay with that? I mean, I, I'm, I think I am at this point, just coming to peace with how good Michigan is. Again, I say this, for all I know, Michigan's going to lose tonight against Rutgers. That would be nice, and you can bet that I would get right back into, right back into Big Ten title mode if that is, in fact, the case. All right, before we go, I wanted to talk about football. We haven't done that for the last month because I got to be honest with you, I, I get laser-focused on basketball season, as I think a lot of us have. So when it comes to football recruiting and reaching out to the Illinois coaches, which Bielema and his staff are doing, and kudos to them, they are playing the PR game perfectly. But we got some good news, some really good news yesterday. That would have been Wednesday of the 17th. The Nebraska game is not going to be in Dublin. Now, when that news came out, I think that was 2019, and it was puzzling, to say the least. I'm sure there were some big-money donors that bought the tickets and maybe some Irish Illini fans that were looking forward to it. Maybe we'll go back there. I don't care if they do or not. This <laughs> Destination football games, when every win is crucial, play the home game. They got a home game. And it's in week zero, as they call it in college football, where you will be the only Power 5 game, at least now, you're the only Power 5 game on the docket, which also means potentially, by default, you might get college game day. Wouldn't that be cool? I'll take it by default. I don't care how you get it. I'll take it. I would take college game day here for Brett Bielema's first game against a mediocre Nebraska team. I mean, hey, if we're running it back with all these seniors that are coming back for their sixth year, and Nebraska's already had some attrition, I think you win that game. I think you do. Imagine that, winning a home game against Nebraska at Memorial Stadium to kick off Brett Bielema's tenure. That would be exciting. And trying to envision what that looks like, you know, being at Lot 31 again on a hot August day, I think it's doable. When you look at the vaccinations, which I know there's been a hiccup this week with the severe weather, but 
we are on the right path for the lots to be open because it is an outdoor activity because everyone that will want a vaccine will have it by then. And whether or not it's 100% capacity inside the stadium is kind of irrelevant to me. There's going to be something so, I don't know, familiar, um, a sense of relief, a sense of like, how oh, we've arrived, right? We've arrived on the other side of this thing. If I'm able to wake up on that Saturday morning bright and early because I can't sleep that well, I, I can't sleep well the night before football openers. Even when I know the team's going to kind of stink, I know that I got a full day of tailgating in the lots. That is enough to keep me at like five hours of sleep before I wake up like it's Christmas morning. It's a sickness. But imagine, you know, just put yourself in that position that Friday night before you're having a cocktail and thinking, all right, what time should I wake up? All right, I got to look at my list or I got everything in the trunk that I need for lot 31. I do. Okay, great. And then actually arriving there and smelling the charcoal and hearing the as Lon and I used to make the beer can sound effect and, and just that cacophony of sound that you get from a tailgate lot. I don't, it, it's almost difficult for me to picture all these things, right? Because we have gotten so accustomed to watching sports without being there. And it was, of course, disappointing when we, find, we found out, and I think we expected this, that we weren't going to go to games in the fall. I mean, even I was somewhat disappointed the idea of not seeing this Illinois team. Of course, they stunk because it was Lovey Smith and all that. But and, and yeah, not being able to tailgate, that was that stinks. I understood it, but it still was a bit of wind out of the sails because that's something every fall that I look forward to. So now that it's at home, and there's not this Dublin nonsense, which I thought was nonsense in the first place. Thank goodness, right? I'm not going to say thank goodness for COVID-19. I would never say that. But given the circumstances, this is the right move. And it adds so much more pomp and circumstance to Brett Bielema's arrival, at least locally. Imagine if that game were still in Dublin, and we'd all watch it on TV. That'd be a cool thing to do in the opening week of college football. But it wouldn't be the same as if we could go to the lots and actually experience it ourselves. And that's going to be a big moment. You know, we look at all these different sort of, I've used the word moment a lot today, but in terms of a moment that tells us, wait, we made it. We got on the other side of this thing. That's going to be one of them. Cannot wait for it. I would anticipate that there will be tailgating. I would anticipate that you'll basically have 100% attendance. I think they'll open it up and I'll be there happily. Even if they say wear a mask, I don't care. You know, that that's something that, that could go on for a while where they just need for the rest of the year, wear a mask in a big public space like a stadium. Whatever, man. Hey, if I can be there and I can share in that sort of community vibe that you can only get from sports events and from concerts, I am there. Even if that means I got to raise that mask to take a sip of my cocktail, who cares? Like That is a small price to pay for finally being able to experience those things again, which we've been deprived of. You know, if there's something that, you know, it's easy to say because people have had real life consequences of this thing. Loss of life being chief among them. Loss of job, income, all the things that make this such a serious thing and, and tragedy in, in the truest sense of the word. But another part of that is not being able to have these experiences with each other and not being able to experience true catharsis and joy and excitement with tens of thousands of other people. I can smell that smell on Lot 31. I can smell the charcoal and I can hear the sound of, you know, all this, all the stereo systems competing with Def Leppard on one, ACDC on the other, uh, country on the other. Even if it's music I don't like coming from the speaker next to me, I'm just going to be happy to hear someone else blasting distorted music out of their DeWalt music player. I cannot wait for that. All these little things, these 
symbols that, okay, we're back. And I might even be so happy where Illinois loses that game, I won't even be pissed off just to be back with all of you, of course. And that's going to be something, too, that we'll have to figure out what it looks like in the fall when games are back. I don't know if that means a pregame show and the lots. You know, it have to be unofficial, of course, because that's a whole licensing thing. I don't think DWS would appreciate that too much. But trying to figure out some way to get a little bit more fan interaction. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. Send it to at Fanboy Carp and... It would be cool to meet people. I think I know after this and the other side of this pandemic, it's going to be about socialize, 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 socialize. Kara and I, I don't want to call it a rut because we enjoy the time at the end of the night where we decompress. We watch Mad Men. We watch The Sopranos. We watch whatever TV show we're into at that moment. And that is valuable, right? To be able to just kind of chill out at the end of the day. But one thing we're going to make a conscious effort to do, whether that be once Every week, and then once every weekend, right? Twice a week, something social, dinner with friends, seeing family, making a, a major, major effort to do that regularly. Because man, I miss that. And we're so close. I got my second shot coming up Monday. My parents got their second shot. I already told them selection Sunday, I'm coming over, ordering monocles, captain and diet, drink. And they have this, they get these, uh, what, like deluxe mixed nuts from Sam's Club. And I just max on that. They got a nice bar area. I can taste that first drink at the bar. I can taste that monocles being dipped in the red dressing while we settle in and hear to watch Illinois get announced as a two seed in the NCAA tournament. I can envision all that. I cannot wait for it. And it's going to happen. And there's going to be more and more moments like that. So this year, yeah, it stinks right now. It's too damn cold. And this pandemic is still raging. And, Everyone's dealing with stuff, right? But help is on the way. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, whatever you want to view it as. And I'm holding on to that. All right. That is it for today's podcast. Before we get out of here, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. $5 calzones. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdoe.com. And they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So stay home. Stay warm. They'll bring it to you. dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby, you got to check out the 217 t-shirt. Get 10% off using coupon code 200 level. I know that they're going fast. I wouldn't be surprised if they run out of it because this, uh, judging by the Twitter response, people love this shirt. And I know for my generation, Ludacris wore this at the State Farm Center back then the Assembly Hall during peak Illini basketball, D-Darren, all that. So this is a very nostalgic shirt and it looks fantastic. Fourthandkirby.com, coupon code 200 level, fourthandkirby.com. Got to thank Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com from everything from a new roof to a crawl space inspection, everything in between. Rector Construction will hook you up. They are proud to serve East Central Illinois and Champaign County. Very charitable guys as well. Good guys that do great work. Rector Construction, R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. We worked with him. Brian is my guy.com. Brian is our guy for insurance, homeowners, and auto, great state farm prices, and of course, personalized service that made it so easy. Cannot recommend Brian and his staff enough. Brianismyguy.com. You may be able to tell the voice is getting a little bit husky. I don't know if it's the dryness. Uh, we're getting our kitchen redone, so I probably got some concrete dust or plaster dust in there. So yeah, it's, it's fatigued a little bit. That's probably my cue to get the hell out of here and stop rambling. We appreciate you listening and making us part of your Illini podcast rotation. There's so many out there. I know there's a lot of good stuff out there. So thank you for making the 200 level part of your 
Illini sports media consumption. Hey, this is Decadence that you're listening to. Out of your head from our latest album, Fever Dreams. You can get it anywhere that music is streaming. Until Saturday, we'll be back. Me, Trevor, and Isaac, Illinois, Minnesota. Afternoon game, a big one. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, stay warm, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. <laughs>